This is Advisor Adventures, the podcast of Advisory Board Chair, who specialise in all things advisory boards, assessing, establishing, managing, mentoring and chairing high-performance professional advisory boards. Your host, Corinne Butler, is the Advisory Board Chair. Join her in Series 2 as she discusses all things COVID operations. She'll focus on COVID-19 and the impact on physical, emotional and mental health, as well as working from home and how businesses can survive this period of uncertainty. This episode is with Emma Jackson, who's the chair of a national organisation, regional organisation, a business owner. She's a mother, a wife, a daughter and a sister. In this podcast, she talks about the guidance or mentorship for our leaders, how she sees this crisis affecting personal values and principles, and what some of the key strategies business owners and professionals can use to help them and their team connect She also talks about how Cape York has responded. Here's your host, Corinne Butler. So hi, it's Corinne Butler here and I'm from Advisor Adventures for Season 2 of COVID Operations. And today I'd like to welcome Emma Jackson. Hi, Emma. Hi, Corinne. How are you? Yeah, really well. So Emma's from Wolverton Station, which is up in far north Queensland. So Emma, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Corinne, I've been up here for nearly 18 years. I grew up in Manchester, North Manchester, ever in the UK. Came over as a backpacker um, with a bit of a psych background. Um, And as a backpacker, met my man. So came to Cape York, married a pastoralist. So been helping him run the family business for the last, I guess, 17 years. Um, Been on, I'm the chair of Cape York NRM. We were the only region in Australia who didn't have a um, regional body representing our natural resource management. So around 10 years ago, we established that. And I've been the chair for the last six years and chair of um, NRM Regions Australia. So I do an awful lot in um, the natural resource management space, sort of regionally and nationally. And so you're also a mother, I believe? I have four children. Two are usually away at boarding school and two I homeschool. But now we have four being schooled at home, um, ranging from 5 to 15. So that's entertaining. Absolutely would be. So Emma, tell us then a little bit more. So in a time of crisis, many look to leaders for guidance or mentorship, so whether directly or indirectly. But often our leaders also need guidance themselves. So you've just said that you're the chair of a national organisation, a regional organisation and a business owner. So can you give us some of your top tips as to, you know, you know what, should, what should leaders be doing in this time? Okay, thanks, Corinne. I think that's a really good question. I think number one for me would be to retain that, um, that level of confidence. So others look to you for confidence and, and you manage to sustain it. So project a confidence that shows that you believe in you, you believe in your, your business, your organization or your family. Um, I think acknowledging that it's going to be difficult, acknowledging your own vulnerability, maybe the organization's vulnerability, but modeling that strength for everyone else um, they need to believe in something. And if you're the leader, they, they, they need to believe in you and they need to see that. I think family is important as well. I think um, a lot of leaders focus on what they're paid to do, what their role is, and, and it can become quite easy to sort of forget your leadership role within the family. So step up as a leader in the family as well and provide that reassurance there. Um, I think communication. So communication is obviously... 
really important for any business organization um, group of people. But I, I guess um, reviewing a communication strategy now, the core business has to continue. So whether you continue trading or not, there's still a need for communication with investors, clients, customers, stakeholders, staff, partners. So increasing that communication now will not only brings reassurance to them, but it alleviates that negativity, um, and it can help manage any rumors that, that you might not be in control of. So I think if you up your communication, review your communication strategy and your approach within the organization and externally, I think you can, you can stay in control. I think my top one would probably also be compassion. So have conversations with your staff and with your partners and with, with your family, but remain cool, remain calm, and remain collected. You know, you were hearing the word unprecedented times all the time um, to the point that it's becoming a cliche. But as a leader, just, just remain compassionate, um, remain calm, and just, just demonstrate that, and they'll follow. Great advice. Now, Emma, compassion really then, I, I think, leads on to a values conversation. So how do you actually see this crisis affecting personal values and principles? I think, um, so your values are comprised of things that, that you think and you believe are essential in the way that you work, in the way that you live every day. Um, I think values help you identify your priorities they help you work out where your energy needs to go, whether it's at work or in life. But through a crisis, our leadership style, I think it needs to be more accommodating, which might strain your values or your priorities. I think some leaders can become shy of admitting error or fault um, and maybe less open to change. And some might even become overwhelmed around income, finances, business continuity, delivery, timeframes, others' expectations, their own expectations. But I think it doesn't need to impact values in a negative way. I think it's about reassessing values, reassessing priorities, and not necessarily changing the cultural beliefs or the views of the organization, rather echoing and modeling them in a way that aligns with, with what's going on. So just remaining flexible and adaptable. So do you think you were just talking before about how com communication, compassion are essential at the moment. Do you think, you know, making sure that we're aligned to our values is really important at this time? I think so. But I still think, I think values are important. I think it's important to align with them, but I think they can change. So for us, KBOC MRM, you know, six months ago, our priority was delivery um, the government's expectations around us and, and delivery components of our projects. As the chair of Cape York NRM now, today, there is nothing more important to me than the staff and how they feel, how, our, how we're communicating with stakeholders and, and project delivery partners. To me, the staff, their welfare, their, ment their mental, emotional well-being is core, is paramount. Whereas six months ago, our priority really was how do we deliver these projects in a time frame you know, the expectations put on us by the Australian government or the state government. Hmm. And so do you see, which do you see your priority being in the future? I think the priority should always be the people. It absolutely should be the people. However, we get caught up in what's expected of us, don't we? It's, mm -hmm. it's very easy to get caught up in others' expectations. So the priority should always be your employees, your partners, the people, how they feel. Um, it's just in times of crisis, I think your self-awareness 
go through the roof with how you are as a leader and how how you're impacting others, how you make others feel. This really then for me brings us to connection. So connection is really important. And so we've got so many different platforms at the moment that enable us for connection for businesses and boards. So what do you see as some of the strategies for business owners and professionals that they can actually use now to help them and their teams? So I think that's really interesting too because we're, using, we're hearing the word isolated every day, every day. All of a sudden there's this whole new um, meaning of isolated um, so I've always, you know, said I live in I live in isolation. I live in far north Queensland, remote Cape York. Um, we have 300 square mile of backyard. Nearest neighbours are a 20 minute drive. So I live isolated. But now you've got people who live in a home um, five metres away from their, their next neighbour, and, and they're isolated. And I think um, with isolation comes anxiety, feelings of overwhelmingness. Um, and I think with so much media coverage and the daily alerts. Um, changing we need to feel connected but for me to feel connected here is very different for how someone who lives in in a city who never experienced this level of isolation so I don't need to live next door to somebody to feel connected and I think people are starting to realize that connection has a whole new meaning we 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 can help people feel connected I think um, obviously by picking up the phone, by having more Zoom, you know, more face-to-face meetings, video conferences. But I think it's it's about going that extra mile. It's about not only popping the email to your employee or your partner or stakeholder or client once a month. I think it's it's changing your your operations. I think it's picking up the phone and touching base in a different way, asking about them and their family and making it more personable. And if you don't have time to make the call, Making sure that email has personal content in it so it's not a generic, hey, how are you going, just touching base. I think leaders have got the power to offer support um, and it shouldn't be underestimated. Um, finding some common ground for the team. So, you know, there's, there's little tips, for example, asking your staff or asking your team or asking your organization to, to watch an episode or something, to read one particular article or, or a book and then encouraging a bit of a discussion about it. I think that's one strategy to help people feel um, connected. You know, at school, we had a buddy system at school, and it might sound dated and, and as if it's for children, but it's just another way to encourage your teams and your individual employees to, to stay connected with each other and maybe talk about something other than um, business, core business, keeping them connected in a social way but not necessarily encouraging that social conversation. I think, and that, sorry, and go on. Yeah, that's a great idea because I actually have a Friday couple with my management team and, and just to talk social, so so to talk anything but work and you're absolutely right, it, it helps you feel connected while in isolation. Yeah, Absolutely. So I just want to share with our listeners um, how isolated you are. So you and I had lunch in Weber um, a month or two back where you were the guest speaker for International Women's Day. Tell us a bit about your adventure on the way of how you actually even got to Weber. Yes, coming into Weber. So it's not a case of um, jumping in your car and, and all of a sudden you're there. Through the marches, it's very wet, so it can take three or four hours to get into Weber. Um, and the bog holes can be sort of two or three foot deep. So, yeah, cruising up to Weeper, all dressed up, you, you can come across a car with a guy who might have been sitting in the car for a few hours, stuck in a hole. Um, and 
yeah, in a two-wheel drive. So they, they, yeah. So he, he's, he, sorry. So he drove into a bog hole in the middle of the road because he thought it was the best spot to to drive to choose, and um, bogged his car. Couldn't get out, so had to help him out of the, yeah, help him out, tow him out, and finally got him out. Well done, and and just these are you know day to day activities. So when you do live so so remotely, remotely and, and rurally, um, this is certainly you know something that I'm certainly not familiar with. But when you are isolated versus in isolation, it's it's every day for you. So tell us then a little bit more about living up in Cape York. So what has been a highlight for you in the way that you've seen people to re- respond to this crisis, and, and what what ha- what have you been proud of? So Cape York, Cape York. I guess every region um, is is very different, and I and I can speak um, obviously very knowledgeable of Cape York. So Cape York have um, have a number of indigenous communities, and what I've noticed with Cape York people is that they've generally supported the fact that these communities are considered vulnerable. There's, there's thousands of indigenous people in Cape York. If COVID was to come into Cape York, it would spread very quickly. And I've, I've seen a sense of unity for that protection. So not only to protect the communities, but protect each other. Um, so those who have lived here for years, 20, 30, 40 years, and not even that long, recognize that importance of isolating Cape York as a region. The ethical and the moral dilemmas that some businesses have faced to support this regional protection um, is is a I'm, I'm absolutely inspired by it. There's people, businesses, tourism operators who've chosen to close their doors, not advertise, not publicize, not only because there's not really anyone traveling, but also to support the decisions around protecting Cape York and not encouraging people to come. So they've, they've closed the, year, the doors for the year and they've just accepted and acknowledged that protecting the people in Cape York is of utmost importance. We stand together as, as a whole region with, with the isolation. And the Australian government have made it a biosecurity zone, but still there's a huge support for protection. And I think um, when I came to Cape York, one of, one of the um, aspects of this region that I fell in love with was the people and the kindness and the commitment to the, the whole region. I, I absolutely loved it. And um, through COVID, it's exactly what I'm seeing, Corinne. Mm-hmm. That's just beautiful. So, Emma, tell us a bit, little bit more about how you juggle everything. So, you're a chair of a national organisation, a regional organisation, a business owner, you know, a, a wife, a sister, a mother of four, living remotely. How do, how do you manage it all? And as you as you said, how, how do you then look after yourself? I think you you don't manage it all, and I think that's it. I think dropping that expectation of yourself is is just so important. Um, I'm pretty hard on myself. So if I don't exercise in the morning, I'm I'm a little disappointed with myself. So I find exercise my meditation. That's my my thing that I like to do in the morning. And I used to be pretty rigid around timetables. So we start school at this time. We have breaks at this time. This is what we do. This is what we cover. And this is when we finish. Whereas now it's a little different. Um, I put a lot more trust in my children. They know what their roles are. And if they don't meet the expectations, then we deal with it. We have a conversation and I treat them like young adults and, and we work through it. And I think with the business side of things, I do what I can when I can, um, prioritize certain areas. I think um, 
two years ago, um, or a year before last, um, my husband was diagnosed with cancer and that sort of made me go, what is important? Um, there's nothing more important than your family. So it's putting that time energy into your family and, and trying to separate your roles. So you can't say, okay, I'm in the school and I'm a teacher, but what you can do is say, these are my expectations of you during these times and, and when, when you're a student, these are my expectations of you. But you can't, you can't change hats easily. I feel for those people who are now suddenly working from home and have their children at home because children expect you to be mum and dad 24-7. The children don't know how to differentiate between your roles. So, so how can you as an adult? So I think just go with it. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy your job. Enjoy your business. Enjoy your home. And, and you'll get there. So Emma, you're an amazing woman and, and you achieve amazing things. And you've got a, a lovely family who, who compliment you. What else would you like us to know? I think, you know what, honestly, Corinne, I think you, if I was to give you one, one thing from me to all your listeners, it's that you can do absolutely anything. I used to think we were all on a certain path to achieve a certain goal. But I think now, I'm 42, if you want to do it, you can do it. There's a way to do everything. And give it a crack. It might not be the best, but the only way we learn is by doing and that's my motto, that's my mantra with my children. It's, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. You're only going to learn by doing it. So even as adults, leaders, whoever's listening to these podcasts, if you want to do something, go and do it. Enjoy it. And, and knowing you, Emma, that is absolutely your, your mantra. If you want to do it, go and do it. Enjoy, learn. And, and you're such an inspiring person. So, Emma, thanks so much for talking to us today. We really appreciate that. We've had a bit of a chat about um, believing in ourselves, how you juggle everything, so, um, ensure that you're compassionate and kind leaders, communicate effectively, how our values and principles can change, uh, how connection is important, and how proud you are of what Cape York is achieving. Thank you, Corinne, and thank you so much for interviewing and, and having a conversation with me today. Really appreciate it. Join the Advisory Board Chair community and the conversation at Facebook at Advisory Board Chair and on LinkedIn. Advisor Adventures is the podcast of the Advisory Board Chair. Advisoryboardchair.com.au. This is a Cahoots Radio production edited by me, Sky Manson, and hosted by Corinne Butler. Let us know your favourite news stories for the week on email at Corinne, C O R I N N E, at advisoryboardchair.com.au. And thanks for listening to Advisor Adventures.